Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Doing great, man. Good to see all these smiling, awake people today. Um, if you don't mind, please stand. Okay. Um, we're going to go ahead and read Psalm 103. This is a Psalm of David. Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, and he heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He redeems, he has redeemed, or he remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass, for they flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it, and it's gone, and its place is remembered no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you angels, or you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly host, you, his servants, who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere is his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Amen. So let's go ahead and uh, say the Lord's Prayer and just kind of meditate as you're saying it. Um, sometimes you can say things over and over and just kind of it loses um, the potency and effectiveness of this prayer. But this is how Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, how be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let's worship. Okay, congregation. We got it. Same. Okay. <laughs> I've known you as a father, 
coming back one day, guys. Hallelujah to it. famous spiritual songs created by the African slaves in America. The purpose of the lyrics is to recall the suffering Christ endured, which serves to remind that suffering in God's eyes is not the lot of the cursed, but the blessed. It is a message we must hold fast to when we ourselves are called to suffer in Christ and Christian walk. Listen as I read the words of this song. Were you there? when they crucified my Lord? Were you there when they nailed him on a tree? Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Were you there when he rose up from the grave? Oh, sometimes it makes me tremble, tremble. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Let us pray. Father, it is hard for us to wrap our minds around what Christ suffered for us. Sometimes it does cause us to tremble. Father, we pray for blessing upon the cup and this loaf, and we ask this blessing in the name of Jesus. Amen.
Now is the time in the service for announcements. If you are new here, um, get connected with us. You can text um, this number to that number. <laughs> it's also in the bulletin <laughs> how to get connected um, through text or through email. Uh, pill bottle collections, bring your empty pill bottles um, with or without the lids, bring them in. We take them over the Matthew 25 ministries and they use them for lots of different things locally and globally. When you are done with your ink cartridges, bring those in. We, um, we are able to recycle them here. It helps reduce the cost of office supplies for the church. Worship team practice is the first Monday of the month, 7 p.m. Singers, musicians, and sound techs, please come. Refit free dance fitness class, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, 6.30 to 7.30. Men's night is the first Wednesday of the month, 6 to 8 p.m. Food and fellowship is the third Wednesday of the month, 6 to 8 p.m. And all of this is on your calendar. It's on the website. Um, people put a lot of time and effort into doing those things and trying to keep them up to date. So there are printouts of the calendar. If you need help with getting on the website, something like that on your phone, please let us know. We have several people more than willing to help you. But we're trying to help give you some ideas and ways to get connected here at the church and um, get to know each other, pray for each other. And um, then when we go out doing outreach, then we are more acquainted. Empty nesters studying the book of Colossians, Thursdays at 10 a.m. starting March 7th. Um, the first week, the meeting for the first week is gonna be here at the church. Um, weeks after that, we'll be at Ruth Liming's house. Yes. Okay, books will be here and ready to be passed out next week, so be sure you're here. Food pantry closed closets every Thursday, five to seven. Um, gives people a chance to come in, get physical food and clothes. Um, many people come in asking for prayer and, um, and ways to serve. So if you know someone who lives alone or is looking for something to do, that's a good way to bring them into the church and help them, give them a little purpose. Breakfast Fellowship, as Carol was saying this morning, is the first Sunday of the month, which is next Sunday at 9.30. Breakfast is better when we eat together. Amen. <laughs> Thank you, dinner. We are having a servant meal. So if you have served in some capacity at the church, it doesn't matter if it's only one time. And maybe that one time was the best time or whatever. We want to thank you. So March 10th at 6 p.m., we are going to have a catered meal for everyone to fellowship together so the church can say thank you to everyone who has served in some way. Goshen Community Easter Egg Hunt is Saturday, March 30th at 11 a.m. It is going to be, not in the mud this year, um, at the Goshen High School football stadium. So we are, we've committed to 5,000 eggs. You can bring them in empty. You can bring them in filled with stuff. Um, things that you're going to fill it with are candy, stickers, small toys. We usually have an age range between five and eight, somewhere like that. So <clears throat> if you would like to um, participate that day, like volunteer, let me know. We would love to have people. Weekly budget is listed here, $2,790, and ministries that you support through giving. Ways to give in person, the offering boxes in the back of the sanctuary, online um, on the website, and it can be a one-time gift or recurring. <clears throat> the kids are gonna go downstairs and have a great time, and now it's time for meet and greet. Please get a water, hot chocolate, coffee, bring it back in, thank you. All right, well, I, I am glad to be here. Well, thank you, thank you. I, I thought that that might go differently. I'm glad it went that way. But on Monday, I had one of those moments that reminded me of how quick things can change. I was uh, on 275 in Kentucky, and a lady slammed into me, rear-ended me. Everyone was all right, and that's what matters. But I thank God that nobody was injured. So I'm extra thankful to be here with you guys today. So I kind of told a fib last week. I said I would finish the uh, Beatitudes this week, and it didn't go that way. I, I, we're going to hit the Beatitudes again, but it, there's a whole lot more to these next two Beatitudes than I thought. So I confess that sin to you guys now. If you go back on the internet, don't, 
yell at me. I, I, I thought I was going to finish the Beatitudes, but this week I did not. Yeah, I like that. I tried to tell my mom that one too, and she just was not buying it. I didn't eat those cookies. I just changed my mind. Sometimes that doesn't work though. But uh, so this week, we are going to continue where we left off uh, last week in the Beatitudes. So if you missed that, part one of this sermon should be online. uh, So you can go um, on our website and listen to it. But just to recap, Jesus went on a mountainside to teach his disciples. Jesus is teaching his disciples what kind of people and attitudes lead to blessings. He is giving hope to his disciples because they are about to go through some very tough times. He is teaching God's children that they will have struggles that lead to eternal blessings. But before we get to our first beatitude, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that we can freely gather together um, and praise you and worship you and learn about you. And as I bring this lesson today, I pray that I'm not moving people by clever speech. Um, They don't think I'm moving them by wisdom, um, unless that wisdom comes from you, because we're taught that we need to move people by the power of Jesus, that his spirit would move throughout this congregation and continue moving throughout the week, and that it would move in me as well. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as a refresher, we're going to read the Beatitudes again. So if you don't mind, please stand for the reading of God's word once you find Matthew 5, 1 through 12. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You may be seated. So last week, we left off right before we got to this beatitude found in Matthew 5, 7. And it reads, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, mercy is defined as compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Now, there is a difference between being nice and being merciful. Sometimes we have to do things that are unpleasant. Sometimes we have to correct people if they sin against us, as it says in Luke 17, 3 and 4. Jesus says to them, so watch yourself. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sinned against you seven times in a day, and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Being loving and being merciful go hand in hand. But we aren't loving to each other if we don't call each other to repent. Here, Jesus instructs us that if someone genuinely repents, we are supposed to forgive them, even if they sin against us seven times in a day. This is absolute foolishness to the world we live in. The world will tell us that that's being a doormat, but this is not a suggestion by Jesus. But don't worry, Jesus knows what he's talking about. 
We are to be like Jesus and to be extremely forgiving. That means when we are mad at someone, we don't just keep bringing up their faults. We don't store people's faults in our minds and then when we get angry later, bring them back up again. Mercy and forgiveness means that we don't try to punish people because of what they've done. The goal is not to hurt people. The goal is to be transformed and walk just like Jesus did on the earth. Jesus expands on this later in his Sermon on the Mount. And this is found in Matthew 7, 1 through 5. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take this speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So before we go and try to help others, we have to get the plank out of our own eyes. Before we even think about judging others, we have to judge ourselves. We have to be careful because, as it says at the beginning of this verse, that we will be judged in the same way we judge others. We've got to ask ourselves, are we tolerant for people's mistakes? What's our attitude when someone goes really slow or cuts us off in traffic? Then we have to ask ourselves, are we perfect ourselves? Are we thinking about punishing them or are we thinking about being merciful and helpful to others? Do we do things that annoy other people? Maybe you don't have road rage, but you have different pet peeves. But who's to say my pet peeve is better than your pet peeve and your pet peeves more important than my pet peeve. I know before I received Christ, I acted like a fool. And the only reason I don't act like a fool is because Christ transformed me. But still, sometimes I make mistakes and I annoy people. And we see all these sinful things around us and we think, man, the world is crazy. And some of those things can even be scary at times. And we see all these things around us that maybe we don't agree with. But we shouldn't judge those people with anger. I hear constantly people insulting the president. It doesn't mean, it, I mean, this president, the president before that, the president before that. All the time, there's always people insulting the presidents. And I'm not talking about constructive criticism, but insults out of anger and for entertainment. And I will be the first to tell you, I don't agree with a lot of values that a lot of these presidents have. But we've got to be careful about what we say. A lot of times these presidents are lost. They don't exhibit fruits of the Spirit. Neither did the rulers at the time of Jesus who murdered Christians. But our perfect example is Jesus and he called the spiritual leaders to repent because they knew better. But he also prayed for those who didn't know better. He said when he was being crucified, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they do. We need to spend more time and effort praying for not just our leaders, but the people around us. Why? Because they do not know what they do. Jesus goes on to say in the Lord's Prayer, if we forgive people, we will be forgiven. But then Jesus also goes on to say, if we don't forgive people, we will not be forgiven. And that's why it is written, it's blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Now, our next beatitude is found in Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. So what does it mean to have a purified heart? Well, an easy answer would be having a clean heart. 
So what things need to be cleaned from our hearts? And I don't mean our physical hearts and cleaning clogged arteries and eating less cholesterol, but our spiritual hearts. So you can keep the chips or whatever. Actually, I don't know if you can do that. Some people are like, So our heart, according to the Bible, is where our passions come from. We can have pure and good passions, like following Jesus and loving other people. But the problem is, is we can also have impure passions, like Jesus explains in Matthew 15, 18 through 20. But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart. And these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. In this Bible verse, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. And the Pharisees made these extra rules about washing their hands. Jesus is teaching them that these extra rules don't defile a person. Now, you might have to go get Pepto-Bismol if you don't wash your hands, but it doesn't defile your heart. Has anyone ever told you that the Pharisees are just these religious people who tried to follow the law and didn't commit serious sins? Well, the majority of people think that Jesus didn't like the Pharisees because it was only because they were too religious. But that isn't exactly true. The Pharisees were religious leaders at that time. These leaders were supposed to be held to a higher standard. And that's why Jesus treated them differently than other people that didn't know better. Jesus lets us know that they honored God with their mouth, but their hearts were far from him. Jesus teaches us that the Pharisees look good on the outside, but on the inside, their hearts were full of greed and selfishness. Jesus goes on to say, that they are like their fathers who murdered the prophets. Jesus said these Pharisees were blind guides who taught the people to be children of hell. We want to learn from their mistakes. We want to make sure we have a clean inside more than a clean appearance. We don't want to go praising God and then when we're in the privacy of our own homes, be filled secretly with lust and greed. According to Jesus, if we do that, we are unclean and impure. Jesus is telling us if we have a clean heart, we will see God. So how do we get a clean heart? Now, there are a lot of people that try to explain uh, being pure in heart in a way that doesn't make sense. And sometimes they'll even scramble with unrelated verses because they actually don't believe we can have a clean heart like Jesus tells us. So let's look at some passages that will help us understand how to have a pure heart. First, let's go to Hebrews 9.14. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our consciousness from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. Unlike animal sacrifice, Jesus offered his perfect, unblemished body and soul as a sacrifice. We see here the blood of Christ cleanses our hearts. The blood of Christ cleanses us from acts that lead to death. Now remember, Jesus was just talking about that before he died. He was saying the things that defile us or make us dirty comes from our heart. And Jesus' blood cleanses us from those acts that leads us to spiritual death. Let's continue to read in Hebrews 9 to get a full understanding of what the powerful blood of Jesus does. Hebrews 9, 26-28 reads, Otherwise Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all, at the culmination of the age, to do with sin, do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that, face judgment. So Christ was sacrificed 
wants to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting on him. And we can see from these verses that Jesus' death continues to remove sins from our lives until he comes back. The sacrifice of Jesus is so powerful, he doesn't have to keep dying over and over. The blood of Jesus not only forgives us our sins, but it it says here it takes those sins away, like we just read in Psalm, from east to the west. He promises us that we don't have to live in those things that defile our hearts. Sometimes we'll hear people say, you know, I'm stuck in sin and you know, and God wants to take that away. He's, he's faithful and He's just, and we can believe that He has power to do that. If I believe that Jesus died for my sin, and I secretly steal thousands of dollars from the company that I work at, are my sins still there? Well, we will get to that question a little bit later. It is not His blood only that takes our sin away. So let's look at some verses that tell us what other things work with the blood of Christ to take our sin away. So the next verse we're about to read is Paul's conversion. This is found in Acts 22.16. And we have Ananias is instructing Paul what to do. Um, he's He's just heard the gospel and he's converting over to Christianity. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. So baptism cleanses sin along with the blood of Jesus. Just to make sure this is clear, let's go to another verse to solidify this statement. Let's read 1 Peter 3, 21 and 22. And this water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but a pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Peter lets us know that the water is not used for bathing, when we get baptized in water, it works with the resurrection of Christ to cleanse us. When we are baptized, we pledge to leave our old life in the water, and we believe in the power of the resurrection to give us everything we need to stay clean. You might look at this verse and say, does that mean I have to keep getting baptized anytime I fall into sin? Well, let's read what John says about cleansing sin after baptism. We find this in 1 John 1, 7-9. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. His Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. He will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So I'm going to skip that first part of the verse because I will circle back around to it. Uh, But what I want to hit first is that John says we have all sinned. If we think we have never sinned, he says we are deceiving ourselves. Now, some people will take this verse and say it means we will always be stuck in sin and there's nothing we can do about that. But that is definitely not the lesson that John's bringing to us. And if you read the rest of his letter, you'll, you'll see very clearly that's not um, where he was going with that. And it actually, even the, the next verse tells us that we do not have to be stuck in sin. Because John is saying... If we confess our sins, God is faithful to forgive us. Remember what we read earlier about being merciful. Our God is very merciful. And if we repent and ask for forgiveness, even seven times in a day, He can forgive us. 
Asking for forgiveness is not a magical chant where you can just say a prayer and he forgives you. We have to authentically come to him asking for forgiveness. We can't just go, hey, God, forgive me. I'm about to go cheat on my wife. Or God, forgive me. This dude's really upset me. I'm about to punch him in the face. Also, James talks about how we should confess our sins to each other. That we should pray for each other. And we should pray that God heals us from repetitive sin. I'm not going to go much into that verse because I pretty much read that verse every week at the end of the service. So I'm going to circle back around to the beginning of that first John 7 verse. There's one more aspect than just asking for forgiveness. John says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, who purifies us from all sin. So if we walk with Jesus, we have fellowship with the blood of Jesus. Remember, we talked about how powerful the blood of Jesus is and how it can take all our sins away forever. John explains a part of having fellowship with that blood is walking with Jesus. We are being purified when we are being led by Jesus. Not being led by our own desires. How are we led by Jesus? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus has promised his words will remain forever. We are led by his words. Peter speaks about this in 1 Peter 1, 22 and 23. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but of the imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. And when that word of God in there is talking about the spoken word, is the Greek word, so you would know it's the New Testament, the words of Jesus. One of the ways our hearts are made pure is by obeying the words of Jesus. By having faith in what Jesus says on the Sermon on the Mount, all the Gospels, by believing in Jesus' words. And it says in there that that's a seed that gives us new birth. Believing on the easy things and the tough instructions because we believe it will be worth it. So the question earlier was, if I believe Jesus died for my sins on the cross and if I secretly steal thousands of dollars from my company, will those sins remain? Well, that depends on our faith. Do we believe the saints when they tell us that we are purified not only by his blood, but also asking for the forgiveness? Do we believe the saints when they tell us that we are purified by obeying the truth? This means we do have to repent if we ask for forgiveness and don't really intend on forsaking our sin, that sin remains. But God can truly see the condition of our heart. We can't fake repentance to him like we can the people on the earth. If we have sin in our lives, we need to confess it to God and to each other so we can be healed. God gave us the gift of his words. If we try to receive forgiveness in another way, it's by using our own intelligence and our own strength. But as we learned earlier, God is merciful. He loves his children and wants to restore them. So if you are struggling, I implore you, take this message to heart. I know it's my desire, and I believe it's God's desire, that everyone in this room, or listening online, will have a pure heart. I don't want one person to miss out and not see God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your words. Thank you for your spirit. I just pray that you increase our faith as we hear it, that we believe that you can do powerful things, that the same spirit 
the resurrected Christ can move us to walk like he did on this earth. Yeah, we may not receive the same glory, but as children, we are supposed to look similar to our Savior. So as I pray, I just pray that you put that, increase that spirit in every one of us and give us power to live this life like you promised us we can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So before we conclude the service, I'm going to speak a blessing over you. And then at the end of the service, we will have the worship team come up and play one last song. And as they're playing, you will have an opportunity to pray on your own or with someone here on the stage. And as it says in James, is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make a sick person well. The Lord will raise them up, and if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Also, if somebody uh, wanted to talk about something they heard in the sermon or have questions about Christianity or want to know what what it means to follow Jesus, um, I will be available after the sermon. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amazing grace, the earth shall